Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Let's uh, recap. Speaking of pitching, Craig Council was asked one of the first questions at the podium about taking Freddie Peralta out as fastball Freddie was dealing. Taking Freddie Peralta out and pinch hitting Daniel Vogel back. Here's uh, Gregory. Craig, how, how tough is the decision to take Freddie out? You guys are you know, obviously searching for runs, and that was your big chance to do it. But was that tough or, or easy? No, it, it was – yeah, it's a tough decision. I mean, I think um, Freddie was throwing the ball great, no question about it. Um, you know, he, he's probably – he had uh, – I think he could have got two more innings in an, an ideal scenario. Um, but there was a path to the end of the game, I thought, for us um, with our bullpen, and, and we needed to score. Um, and it was, a, it was a good opportunity to score, and, and we had a – not, you know, Vogelbach's on the team for that situation um, in that spot. Um, they made a great defensive play. Um, we we had we lined out, um, you know, and unfortunately didn't play. So there's Gregory, Craig Council. I agree with the idea to, and I agree more than I disagree with it of pulling Freddie Peralta to get some runs across the plate. It just came up snake eyes, right, Rowdy? I mean, the Atlanta made some good defensive plays, and the Brewers just, stop me if you've heard this before, couldn't score. It's like game two. And it's all over again in game three. And now we're going to see what happens tonight, and I don't know. Can you just have a moment where the offense all of a sudden wakes up? Well, it's baseball. Everything is routine, where if you get out of, if a lot of these guys get out of their routine – it looks kind of like what you're seeing, and I will stand by that them throwing the brakes on with three weeks left in the season, this is what you get. But also, it only takes one game to wake up. Yeah. Now, is is today going to be that game? I don't know. I'd say I'd no. I'd say no. But also, who knows? Maybe it is, and then they win today, and then they come out like gangbusters on Thursday as well. J8 Krebs, our guy Jordan, who was in, um, you know, kind of going back and forth with when we had Andrew Wagner on yesterday from Forbes.com, was down in Atlanta covering the Brewers. He'll join us today at nine o'clock again. Uh, but, you know, Krebs is kind of in the same vein as we are when it comes to the face of the Milwaukee Brewers right now, Christian Yelich. He stinks. Krebs tweets at my Twitter account, Ebo says, Krebs proclaims, So was I right? Terrible at bats by Christian Yelich. Could you shake up a lineup by saying, hey, Christian, sit your ass down? Yeah, or hey, you're moving down to the eight hole. Hey, Razor's Edge coming up to do some sports gambling. But I, if it's like, first off, with everyone just, I absolutely hated what I saw on Twitter. So we talk about how the Milwaukee Brewers had some mishaps, had some unfortunate luck. How about the Braves right away? What the hell is Adam Duvall thinking? That is like something that if I had a little leaguer and he did that, <laughs> he wouldn't play the next game. <sighs> like, 
You are tagging up from first base with one out on a deep fly ball to left field. Why? <laughs> you have a guaranteed run right Why? there, and you just took it off the board by trying to, to tag up and go to second, in which you know it's a series where runs are at a premium. Yeah. There had only been six runs combined between the two games. And you're trying to take second when you're clearly gifted a run. And everyone's like, oh, Christian Yelich, smart play, great play. No, that was his only play. He knew exactly what he was doing because going to second base was his only play. Catch the ball, get it into second so that the guy from first didn't think about tagging up. That was his only play. Have you not seen him play outfield? Have you not seen him (laughs) throw the baseball? He wasn't throwing out Austin Riley at home. So... That was his only play was to throw it to second base. Are you upset? It at, wasn't heads up. It wasn't a great play. It was the only play. Are you upset about the people saying that Yelly with the double play that he had? You, yeah, because he Yelly, wasn't a great play. It was his only play. Adam Duvall kind of a strange, is a moron. What are you, are you upset about the people? I don't know what you're upset because about Because they're trying to find something <laughs> to cheer about with Christian Yelich, and there wasn't anything. Well, he made the right move, though. He had That was the only move. Yeah, it was the, the only move, also the right move. Okay. What did you want him to do? It was though? his only move. What, I'm saying, what don't you... sit there and praise a guy like he made some great, oh. phenomenal play <laughs> when it was Adam Duvall just... that made a bonehead play that got you out of the inning. I think it's a strange it... thing to be mad about. No, it's just frustrating that people will try to find any little bit to say that Christian Yelich is doing something productive, oh, okay. so that they can continue their narrative that he, should, he should be, be in playing, the okay, and gotcha. that he's this great. Former MVP that's no longer playing. Like I got, that. You, I got you now. I got you. It's like that was his only freaking move was to go to second base because he doesn't have the arm to throw out Austin Riley I got at you. home. I was a little confused the for a second. The ball is there. just a dumbass. <laughs> Let's go to the phones line one. Who's this? Hey, good morning. This is Steve. Steve, where the hell you been, dude? Oh, Steve, I'm I, not going to say this, but I, I think I just realized something. The Brewer slide has coincided with you not calling in. Well, no, no, I, I can't take I can't take credit for that. Uh, don't put that juju on you, Steve. No, I I, I agree with Roddy. I, I, this was this is predictable. You can't finish like they did, and I mean you can't flip a switch and and hit and not hit. And yeah. This is this is too uh, too predictable. Um, I agree. You know, Yelich is he's done. I think he's I, not I said a long time ago. Yelich is the team's Middleton. Um, if he ain't, if he ain't playing, they're not doing well. Uh, I'm glad to hear you you um, support council. I, I fans drive me nuts. People that are uses the hindsight. Oh, hindsight Anybody can use hindsight. Well, it's these to, people, the people that like don't watch at all, like they never watch and they never read about it. They never like you know, inv- you know, research and anything. And then all of a sudden, they have something to say about Craig Council. It's like. You haven't watched all year, and all of a sudden you have an opinion. Like I agree, it was the right thing to do of pitch hitting Daniel Vogel back, and so yeah, it, it, and they proved it out because did, did they score after that? No, yeah. so you know it wasn't going to happen. I mean, that's the only chance they had, and you know this team is going to look look a lot different next year. Um, I think Garcia's option and Rowdy, you're up on this better than I am, but I think he's he's probably gone after this year. Um, and we'll we'll play Taylor in the outfield. Garcia. Uh, yeah, Garcia, but, Garcia. Since he reached his at bats, he can now. He had the, I believe it. It went from a club option to a player option. option. Yep, that's what I understand. So good, I got something right here. Um, always do, Steve. You always do. <laughs> Navarez, um I would not be surprised if he's gone at the catcher position. He's actually uh, got one year of arbitration left, so he'll be under contract next year. Do you think he'll be back? Yeah. Predict. Yeah. All right. 
Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know. And I don't like not playing uh, uh, Escobar. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. But anyways, that, I'm agreeing with you. Steve, um, what's your confidence level entering today? Uh, not very good. You don't <laughs> turn on a switch. It's not a switch. You can't turn it on. Y'all just stunk for two years. Yeah, and, he's a tough scene, isn't he? And here's the thing: his big contract hasn't even kicked in yet. No, and you know, you say it was it was a good play by Elich because if you've seen him throw lately, he can't hit the base either. So the fact that he hit the base throwing was a good play for him. It, it was. But uh, the other thing I want to mention is, and this, I I called earlier before the season said Berger should have been the number one running back for the Badgers. He gives them an explosiveness, yeah. the ability to break a long run. I don't know what the heck happened there. Um, Chris is getting criticism. What I would like to know, I haven't heard any comment. We have a new running backs coach. So um, I can give you a little insight here, Steve. Now, there was a press conference yesterday, and we'll talk about this later on in the show, but just real quick for you. Um, he didn't say anything. He said, I spoke with Jalen on Sunday. I'm going to keep that between me and him. But uh, the Wisconsin State Journal quoted two sources, and you may have seen this, that Brogo, uh that Berger was breaking team rules, including missing meetings and workouts, and the behavior, according to the paper, began when the team added Chesma Lucy from the transfer yep. portal. And and that's that's not how you treat players if you want to get players to come in come into your program. Uh, you don't treat Berger should have been the number one guy. You don't even have to bring Malusi in. I don't. There's a, they had other needs, obvious other needs, but I haven't heard any. Any um, input on the new running back coach, good or bad? Yeah. So of course the head guy gets the gets the criticism, but you think he? I don't know. I don't know what his involvement was. We'll, t- we'll talk about it coming up for you, Steve. If you're still listening, my man. Yeah. Hey, I missed you guys. Hope you guys uh, have a great great Steve, day. Okay. I, I I was like in a b- bad spot entering today. Now that you've called in, hope springs eternal. I got a smile on my face, Steve. It's nice to hear from you. And, and I'm still not, I'm still upset about the guy losing that Jeopardy yesterday. So I don't know. <laughs> Steve, you're the man, brother. Nice to hear from you. Take care. See Bye. you, Steve. I've been patiently waiting for this since 6 a.m. when I first asked him a question about yesterday's Milwaukee Brewer game against the Braves, which they lost three to nothing. But before I unleash Rowdy, Nelly ascended. We got to take a look at the Twitter poll very quick. It's a simple one, or is it? Craig Council said they won't be pitching Corbin Burns in a do-or-die situation today against the Braves. Do you agree with the Brewers' manager? Rowdy, 54% of the vote going against us, where we've both voted. They say, no, throw him today, says the majority, which uh, saving Burns for Game 5 is at 50, or I'm sorry, 46%. Another thing that I'd like to say about that real quick before I get into Council is I kind of already went over why I liked Lauer and then keeping Burns for game five. But I think another one that plays into it is the fact that you have Corbin Burns who threw on Friday night, correct? That is correct. That would mean Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we're at Tuesday. That means he would be pitching on three days rest. I don't think he's ever done that this year. But all season we've heard about, you know, pitch counts and making sure they have ample time off. Yep. And now all of a sudden you want to turn that on to a young player and say, all right, you have three days rest when I believe at the earliest he's went is four days rest, which would he would be back to five days rest by Thursday. Mm -hmm. But you'd be asking him to do something you've never, ever asked him to do before. And he's not a CC Sabathia type that was willing and ready to grab the ball every third day. Because those pitchers just don't exist in this type of baseball world. Brody, anymore. those pitchers are rare, like Mister Clean with hair. 
They just it's a different different breed, a different I cat. Could, I could probably name the starting pitchers that I would feel good about doing that from where they're at in their career and what they've done in the past, and he would not be on that list. All right, Rowdy, before uh, you dive in, here's I'm going to set the stage. Yesterday, Fastball Freddy, Freddy Peralta, in every arm for the Milwaukee Brewers that's a starting pitcher has been babied. Bubble wrap him. We're going to save him for the playoffs and then let him turn him loose. That's why Craig Council doesn't let his starting pitchers go deep into games because for these moments like this, save them for the playoffs. Well, Rowdy, yesterday with the anemic, terrible offense of the Milwaukee Brewers, Freddy Peralta was on the mound. He went four innings. Struck, uh, struck out five, only giving up three hits, 57 pitches, 37 strikes. Freddy Peralta was pulled in the fifth inning. Pinch hit for Daniel Vogelback. It came up snake eyes as the Brewers didn't get any runs across the plate, obviously. But at the time, I agreed with Craig Council on pulling Peralta to spark some offense. Fortunately, it did not work out. Rowdy, you proclaimed kind of that you wanted to have your cake and also eat it too. Please. The stage is yours. So I also agree with what Craig Council did, pulling Freddie Peralta, even though he had thrown four innings. Obviously, there weren't any runs on the board. And going with Daniel Vogelback in that situation. The reason being, you already should have had a run in. Let's not forget, Luis Arias was on first base. He did not get a jump or hardly get off of first base when Darno completely missed the the ball, goes off of his glove, and he easily could have taken second. Mm-hmm. That's just not being aware on the base pass. Terrible base running. He should have been at second base when Omar Nervaez doubled down the line. So he should have scored from second base. You should have been up one to nothing there. Then also, when he was on second base, he was not running that hard going to third, and then he got a stop sign. He should have gotten in running Running two third, that should have been waved through down on a, a hit like that with a guy that has the speed like Urias has, mm-hmm. especially in a game in which, in a series in which you have struggled to score runs. Those were two blunders by Luis Urias on the base pass that should have, at a minimum, scored at least one run in that inning. Also, for base running mistakes, where the hell was Omar Nervaez? When he got, uh, when this is exactly what should have happened when Dansby Swanson made that nice play and he goes home with it. Mm -hmm. They had Luis Arias dead to rights. Luis Arias made the right base running play there, got in a pickle. Omar Nervaez was nowhere to be seen. He should have been standing on third base. There was no reason to have guys on first and second base. He got in that pickle to allow time for Omar Nervaez to get to third base, stand there Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, we're good here. Yeah. He did not do that either. That's three base running blunders in one inning. Now, granted, he never uh, Vogelback never would have probably scored him in with the the ball that he hit to third base, anyways. Mm-hmm. But you should have had at least one run there. You are searching for offense. You have not had any. You bring in the guy that's supposed to be your specialty pinch hitter to get some runs. Now, this is where he's wrong. He was wrong to sit and and rest all the players leading up three weeks to the season once they clinched because what? Now they're out of their routine. If there's one sport that comes down to routine and, and needing to be in a routine out of every single professional sport, it's baseball. These guys play 162 games a year. It's a lot of games. They're, they're playing home games 
night games and then day games after night games. You're playing all the time. You get a days off here and there. It's all about routine in baseball, and you took them out of a routine. He even said vocally that I have Willie Adamas being annoying wanting to play. Guys aren't annoying wanting to play when they're injured. Mm -hmm. When you're injured, you know you're hurt and you're done, Mm -hmm. especially if you had something so major where you're actually injured. So Craig Council did this to himself. He put himself into this situation by by not allowing his players to play and resting guys. And then they even had Atlanta right where they wanted them. Right there on the ropes. You had Ian Anderson emptying the tank. You had two guys in the bullpen for Atlanta there. They were obviously going to pinch hit for him because he was coming up third. They were just trying to get through that inning. You saw Anderson was unloading the tank because he was starting to get up in the zone. He was starting to leave pitches up in the zone. He was starting to become hittable. Mm -hmm. They got him right where they wanted him. He doubled down, said, hey, we're going to try and have the the death shot. We're trying to take take you out here. We were going to get a couple runs with a hit, and we were going to get your pitcher out of there and get to your bullpen. For four innings, and we know their bullpen's not as good as the Brewers. He doubled down on his move because he had to, because he put himself in that situation by resting players. So, yes, I agree with the move because it was called for in that point. Yep. But I disagree with everything he did the last three weeks of the season because he put himself in that tough position. If they wouldn't have rested players, I firmly believe they would be in a better routine. They would have been hitting the ball more. I'm not saying they're scoring 10 runs a game. They'd be hitting the ball better. Because they'd be, and at that point, little momentum. You wouldn't have had to have went to your bullpen and to a pinch hitter because Freddie Peralta would have continued to pitch, and you would have had a couple runs on the board. And that goes back to the base running of Luis Arias because you should have put <laughs> one on the board. the The Braves already gifted you not scoring a run because of dumbass Adam Duvall and his terrible base running. <laughs> you should have been up at a minimum one to one. Or you should have been up yep. at a minimum one to nothing, and you're lucky it wasn't one to one. Hi, Rowdy. And then Hauser just came in and didn't have it. He was leaving his sinker up, his fastball was up, right, and he got... took advantage of it. Right, we'll we'll but... react to it. Phone line's blowing up. Line one, who's this? You get your live chicken yet? Uh, we uh, got a bucket of KFC chicken coming to sacrifice it because nice. I got I got Jobu's rum. Yeah, nice. What's up? What's up, Maytig man? What's going on, guys? Uh, I completely agree with Rowdy here. Uh, it, it yeah, everything the council did leading up to the playoffs was mind-boggling. Uh, Health yeah, you, over you momentum. You got to stay with the momentum. I mean, that, look, right now you have two. Uh, you have the wild card team in the American League has moved on because they've been playing for everything, right? I mean, they've been playing for the last two weeks. Everything that, you know, they lose one more game in the regular season and Toronto's in the playoffs and not Boston. So you're absolutely right, Nelson, with getting these guys out of their element, out of their zone, out of their routine for the last week and a half has completely thrown the entire team and Zach, off, and I agree. I agree with Craig Council getting his pitching staff right the last week of the season because you want to make sure your staff is right going forward to having guys line up where you want them to for the playoffs. I agree with the pitching staff in the last week of the season, but they they really coasted the last three weeks. Yeah, uh, no, Zach, for, Zach, for uh, sure. Zach. We're unfortunately up really up against break. Do you um, 
do you want to, do you have a prediction for what's happening today? I I really don't. I I mean it, it's I'm hoping it's a really good pitching game. Now remember too that I mean if the Brewers kind of get if Lauer kind of gets shellacked, I guess then you can bring in Burns. I mean that's that's your only saving grace at this point, right? Yeah, more will be revealed, I guess. I, I need so. more time. Uh, Zach, thanks for calling in, brother. Uh, are the Brewers going to win year and eight? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Brewers will win. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, Zach, <laughs> speak it into existence. Love you guys. See you, brother. Much love. We welcome in now the Corbin Burns of the Zone, our ace, sports director Zach Heilprin. Good morning, Zach. Good morning. Zach, you're in the position. Let me give you You're now anointed Milwaukee Brewers manager. Would you mm. throw Corbin Burns, or would you go with what I'm assuming would be Eric Lauer? i go with Eric Lauer. Yeah, I've uh, we haven't seen Corbin Burns on short rest, right? We don't know exactly what that looks like. He's still young. I don't necessarily know how much of a better chance it gives them to win. And Eric Lauer was pretty good down the stretch. So I, I think uh, going with Lauer kind of makes sense. Zach, uh, believe but, it or not, you know, I am right there with you, and so is Nels. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, just don't go with Adrian Hauser, and I think you'll be all right. Uh, yeah, that was a bummer yesterday, man. Um, a listener dropped off some rum for us, Zach. So we've been drinking a little rum this morning in honor of Joe Boo to wake up the bats. Mm-hmm. Because uh, yeah. we got we got to do something for those sticks of the Milwaukee Brewers. It's uh, it's tough, dude. Screw you, Joe Boo. <sighs> All right, Zach. But yesterday, a big day, I guess, kind of when it comes mm-hmm. to coaches on the podium. Let's start with Paul Christ, as the Wisconsin football obviously getting the win over Illinois. They're going to welcome in Army this weekend for a night game, seven o'clock. But the big burning question is what the heck happened with Jalen Berger and why was he dismissed? What did Paul Chris say in the podium yesterday? Him and Jalen talked and they're going to keep it between them. That's essentially what was, uh, he said, and he was, I don't know. He was, I don't, he, he was questioned on a number of different angles and he was just, uh, it wasn't offered up much. Um, that's just kind of the way that he is when it comes to a lot of things, but especially when it comes to players coming and going, it's, it's mainly just, uh, keeping it between him and the player, but um, yeah, I mean, there again, there were uh, <clears throat> rumblings that that he was not happy, that Jalen wasn't happy, and that there were some, you know, and it was kind of leaking over into his football play. And I know the Wisconsin State Journal um, reported that a couple of sources told them that it was because he was miss- he got dismissed because he was missing meetings and missing workouts, um, and it all started when Ches Malusi was brought in. Uh, from the transfer portal, and that was kind of what we had heard as well. Um, but they actually put pen to paper and, and, and put it out there. So I think that that is the reason why he's not here. He he uh, kind of got uh, a little um, dejected when uh, Ches Malusi came in, despite the fact that him and Ches are close and, and roommates on the road, and hmm. I think friends. And so I think, uh, but yeah, he just didn't react well to that, and um, now he's no longer here. Was the work ethic always kind of in question for Jalen Berger? Because I've kind of heard that yes. a bit too. Like he just wasn't a weight room guy, and when it comes to practice, yeah. it kind of take plays off. I, I tend to believe that this ha- this was uh, prior to Melissa. This was this is just something that uh, he kind of was that he was never kind of a guy that um, was all I don't want to say all in, but yeah, like put all the the work in that was necessary to be a really really good football player. And um, I, you know, I certainly the chess thing p- probably plays into it, but I don't blame Wisconsin for having to go out and get chess. I mean, you look at what they would have had if they hadn't. I mean. Uh, off injured Isaac Grendel, off injured Julius Davis. You had four true freshmen coming in. You didn't know what you were going to get in Braylon Allen. Like you, and then even Jalen like has has that knee issue. So like you had to go out and get somebody. Um, so I don't 
I personally think this this started before uh, Chess was brought in. Uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. Real quick, Rowdy is back. Zach, um, how, about, mm. how about how about Jonathan Taylor last night? New Jersey and everyone was expecting you know Jalen Berger to be the next Jonathan Taylor, like the next great New Jersey back. And Jonathan Taylor puts in so much effort, and we saw it last night. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, that what, what was it seventy six yard touchdown run? He had another touchdown later on. But he just couldn't get in the end zone a third time. And if he had, Nelson probably wouldn't be 0-5 in his fantasy league. <laughs> and Zach would be, probably wouldn't be 4-1 because Nelson would have beat him. But he didn't. And now he has to catch those L's. Rowdy, any catch, comments? No, did you catch those, you catch those L's in the, de- in the text message? All I'm saying is go look at total points, <laughs> and I sit in the middle of the league, yet I'm the only team 0-5. And it's a tough scene, tough scene for you. Tough uh, scene, is it? The competition's just been better than you every week. When so, I when I, mean, I won the league, good. when I won our league a couple of years ago, Zach Rowdy couldn't get off the fact that I was my team was a bunch of bums and his was the most scoring <laughs> team in the league. Yet I came out victorious. I don't want to bring up the bad memories of Rowdy. He's he's an up and down mood today. We we want to catch him on the up. All right, so Zach, okay. when it comes to Army, is this going to present a unique challenge for the mm. Wisconsin Badgers? One of the few programs that still runs the uh, the uh, option offense, the triple option coming to the town. Yeah, can you name some other teams that have run it, that are running it right now? It's essentially the service academy. It's essentially, <laughs> can you uh, Is Georgia Southern still Army? running it? I'm not sure. Um, they were I, a few I, years ago. Yeah, so like it's a, it is a very rare offense to have to defend, and that's why Wisconsin didn't just start working on it this week. They started working on it in the spring. They spent more time on it in the summer. They spent time in fall camp working with it. So these guys aren't seeing it for the first time. Like it used to be, you like play this stuff every single week. Like back in the Way back, like forty years ago, you'd be playing this type of offense every single week. But now, now you see it once in uh, ten years, right? If you're with, like, if you're Wisconsin, like, you know, I don't know the last time I faced it. I went back trying to find, it. I couldn't find it. Like, there are, it just doesn't happen. Wisconsin played uh, the Veer, which is a version yeah. of uh, of it, and they were horrible in the late eighties. <laughs> and then, um, so like, there there are a lot of things that go into uh, trying to defend that. Mainly it's just being assignment sound and, and not allowing, you know, uh, cracks. But, like, Army's, Army's throwing the ball 33 times in five games. <laughs> so this thing is just going to be run, 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 run. And then they'll sometimes try and hit you for a big play. And that's kind of what they're, uh, in the past games, kind of what they're trying to do. But Wisconsin, no one stopped the run better than Wisconsin this year. They're giving up 41 yards a game. They've been just amazing uh, stopping the run. And this will be a big challenge for them, but I think it's going to be an even bigger challenge for Army to be able to run the offense that they want to run. Hey, don't discount this type of offense. Notre Dame won the majority of their national titles with it. <laughs> As I, I mean, and obviously, Evo has read that uh, somewhere. Like the, uh, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Notre Dame won their title, I believe, in 89, running that. So, or maybe it was 88. So, Barry Alvarez, Barry Alvarez uh, was very, very familiar with it. And he always had a lot of success stopping it. So hey, when they were uh, doing wonder, that, Zach Rowdy yeah. wasn't even alive. So no, uh, I, no. Were you? Uh, yeah, uh, eighty-eight. I was born, so barely. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Zach Halpern joining us right now. Zach, speaking of a tall task, let's switch to uh, who else was on the podium yesterday. Greg Gard, the head coach of the Wisconsin Badger basketball program. Gregory, uh, Gregory Gard, the program. Uh, let's see here. Seven sophomores, five freshmen. This is the largest collection of underclassmen in the last, what, like 20 years. Uh, what's the expectations and what was Gardo saying at the podium yesterday entering into this, uh, this new uh, campaign for college basketball? Well, the expectations, uh, I think within the program haven't changed, but outside they certainly have. They picked 10th 
in the Big Ten. Tag? So, oh my yeah. God! I saw that yeah. uh, they finished anywhere between seventh and twelfth in those uh, voting. Zach, is this going to be like all the other years though? Death taxes and the Badgers finished fourth or better in the Big Ten. That hasn't been the case. I was going to say but, he, um, we're still living in nineteen. Me, I guess. Just, just let me let me have this. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no. It's uh, it, it's yeah. They've got they've got a lot of inexperience, but they also went out and got you know some guys that have played a lot of basketball. Jacoby Neath from Wake Forest, Chris White from uh, Cincinnati. So guys that um, have some experience. But you're right. Yeah, they're going to be counting on the likes of Jackie Hepburn, a, a true freshman who very well might be their starting point guard. They're going to have. You know, Lauren Bowman, who missed all of last year, I think is going to play a role at some point. But I mean, a lot of it is going to come down to Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall, and then obviously uh, uh, Brad Davison, you know, doing what he can. I, I think uh, it was interesting to hear them talk about Brad. Like, we always think of him as, like, the leader and the guy, the vocal guy, and he is apparently, like, trying to take a step back and allow Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall for this to be their team. And I think that probably is a good thing for Wisconsin. Is Johnny Davis uh, vocal? He, Tyler Wall vocal, but just like being being leaders, being the guys that are are uh, are getting guys together, bringing them together. That like you need your best players to do that. And Johnny Davis, this is clearly his team in terms of just being the best guy on it. And uh, and Tyler Wall, not on his level, but also you know the, the probably the second best player on the team, uh, depending on what you think about Brad Davison. So like those guys all have to be. They have to be leaders because um, it, there are so many young guys. But I think Chucky Hepburn is one guy I'm really anxious to see, and so and Lauren Bowman too. But Chucky, like he's just a different animal, and um, and yeah. they, they've got some they've got some other like pe- young pieces and, and new guys that we're going to be seeing for the first time. So I think that's exciting, but there could be significant growing pains. Uh, Lauren Bowman, obviously, what he take that year off because of family stuff, right? Last year, Zach yeah. um, did, yep. was great guard. Was he talking about how they've been seeing the flashes of why they recruited him in practice now that he's back? Yeah, he said that yesterday. Like uh, they've been practicing for eight days. I guess yesterday was practice number nine, and they kind of uh, it was. I don't know. Maybe a slow start for him, but like the last few days, probably like the last five days, he started to show the type of player that they recruited, the type of player that they saw coming out of Detroit, and and uh, a lot of it I think has to do with his physical, like being physical, um, like where he is physically, and also where he is mentally. And Greg says he's just in a, a much much different place than he was back in June and July when he showed back up. Like he had stayed away. He had not been on campus. You know, he left, I think it was in November last year, and he didn't return until June. And, you know, he, was, um, he wasn't where he needed to be in June, but he's getting there, I think, now. How does it feel to know that basketball is like, wasn't their first game November 9th, I think, against St. Francis, Brooklyn, or something like that? It, it feels entirely too soon, but um, <laughs> crazy. I don't know. Like, like, last year, like, the way that last year ended, it was just so difficult. It was a difficult team to watch. It's kind of like, and to cover, and it's kind of like the football team. It's <laughs> difficult to watch and to cover just because uh, things just are not going the way that you uh, normally expect it for Wisconsin. But this is like a, this is just a whole new era, right? Like there's just so many new guys. Uh, all those guys that were on that recording no longer there except for Brad Davison. So yeah, I mean this is just uh, it's a new start, I think, for Wisconsin. I think that's a good thing, but it again could lead to some some rough nights. Uh, uh, well, year. hopefully they're better than 10th in the freaking Big Ten because he yikes. Mm. Uh, Zach, before mm. I let you go, uh, we started the conversation with Brewers. Let's end it with Brewers. What do you think happens today at Truist Park? Don't. Pain. Zach, don't do this is to your, me. What, no, is it, like, <laughs> like where, where, where is your confidence level in? Well, I, ha- well, I mean, right now? is it this before I started drinking rum or after I started drinking rum? 
Well, before. Before it was low. Okay. And now it's. But now you're, but now you're starting to talk yourself into it. No, it's slightly warm. <laughs> like you, but you can't go out this way, right? Like you can't go out with a great season like this and then end it like you have. But again, I think we all thought this all the way back to April when they were playing well, and then into May where they kind of hit the skids because the offense was horrible. Like this is uh, what everyone was worried about, and it's so unfortunate that it's come for them here in October. But <laughs> hey, all it takes all it takes is, is one big hit, one big hit. The rally gets started, Nelly. Right? Uh, just makes one takes. big hit. Things get going. I believe. Uh, going. I believe it was Babe Ruth that says, "All it takes is one." Yeah, all it takes is one, and and in this way, this game is going. Oh, yeah. And this way the series is going, one run could win it. I mean, I, just the way both teams are playing offensively and, and the pitching for both sides, like, well, I don't think one run will win it, but it could. It could. It could. It I, could. I like Eric Lauer. I think Eric Lauer is going to pitch well today. Same. I like him too. Are you a lefty? No. Oh. Yeah, neither am I. He was rowdy. We like Eric Glauber, too. Zach, we but we like Eric Glauber, but we love you. Thanks so much mm. for uh, taking time out of your day to talk some Wisconsin sports with us, brother. Appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. Smooches. See you, buddy. Yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and, yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win. You get paid. BetUS.com. To our guy down in Atlanta covering the NLDS, Brewers versus Braves. I just have to say one thing, Andrew. It was a it was just beautiful to see your piece about the Milwaukee Brewers on the Wisconsin State Journal. Usually I just get AP wire stuff, and I'm like, why do I want to hear some guy that never even covers the team talking about not even the Brewers? It was so nice to see your work, Andrew, front and center. It was a breath of fresh air, my friend. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could please. I don't make those decisions, of course, but you know how it goes. And to see, oh, well, obviously Forbes.com, you're all over it. But uh, when I just got to read, like, I want to know about the Brewers, not about how the Braves beat the Brewers. I want to know the intricacies of the Brewers. That's why it's so nice to see you on there, Andrew. Uh, yesterday, obviously, the offense might have forgot to get off the. I don't know, the, out of the airport or something. I have no idea. Real quick, though, let's talk about what happened first in that game, and that would be the pulling of Freddie Peralta. Nelly and I both agree it was the right move to try and spark some offense from bringing Daniel Vogel back in. What would you say about Council pulling Freddie Peralta as he had four innings under his belt, only giving up three hits while striking out five on 57 pitches? It's the right decision. It just didn't work out. You know, you, you, you have to go for it there. It's it just... When you have the opportunities, especially in the postseason, you have to take it. Uh, and you can do that when you have the depth and quality of arms behind him. You know, Council said they saw a pass to the end of the game through the bullpen. It didn't work out, obviously, because Vogelbach didn't get any runs in. Urias got, you know, thrown out at home. And then Hauser came in and gave up the home run. So it kind of bitch it twice. But. It's the right decision. You know, it, it's absolutely the right decision. So offensively, and we'll talk some more pitching coming up here for uh, the game that is today, but offensively for the Milwaukee Brewers, ay, yikes. Now I was uh, messaged you just two words, Brewers stink, and you had responded back with just bad luck for the Brewers and those bats. Can you talk on uh, just the Brewers hitting in bad spots, despite yeah. the screamers coming the, out those the, bats? 
they're definitely not good on offense. Like, you know, not going to mince words there, but my story this morning, um, you know, they had they had chances, kind of like they did in game two, where they had they brought the tying run to the plate in each of the last three innings. It came up empty in all those at-bats. You know, as little of a sign as it is, it is a sign of progress. They, they made good contact. They had good at-bats. Uh, they had, I think, you know, couple of different chances, but the five of the hardest hit balls of the game, uh, according to StatCast and Baseball Savant, you know, all of them were exit velocity over 100 miles an hour, were right literally at somebody. Like, you cannot, you cannot have worse luck than that. You know, if one of those balls goes a foot higher or a foot to the left or a foot to the right, it's a completely different ballgame. It doesn't change the fact that they're striking out way too much and they're just not getting anything done. It doesn't change the outcome of the game, but you know, there, there, there are metrics that say, hey, it's not all as horrible as it seems. But, yeah, it, it, it's not good right now. It's definitely not good. You know, Andrew, reading your work there, um, the State Journal, and your, you know, your five plays too costly for the crew to overcome, uh, three of those that you referenced were from that fifth inning. Was the fifth inning indeed the, bra- the backbreaker for the crew? I think so. I mean, that you get two guys in the scoring position before you even record an out. That, that nine times out of ten, that's going to be a very good inning. To come out of that with absolutely nothing is just, you know, that's backbreaking. They had chances after that, but, you know, that was that was the game. You know, that's where you changed the momentum because you just pulled Freddie. You know, you got a chance to break things open, and, and you don't. You don't come up with anything. It was still nothing, nothing at that point, you know. That, 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 that switches everything. All of a sudden, you're giving a lead to the bullpen. Uh, if they don't score, or excuse me, if they score before they get to Freddie's spot, he probably stays in the game. You know, Conkle said that even if they would have gotten one run in, the discussion was, was being had in the dugout about whether to let Freddie go back out. So it's, I think that was the turning point right there. That, that, that fifth inning, that was tough. And I think the other one that really hurt him was that double play that Yelich had in the, eight, in the eighth. You know, so many times, you go back to 2018, you have that situation. That's you know, Christian Yelich is taking it out of the park. Um, and then he just rips one right at Dansby Swanson in the shift. I mean, he launched that ball. Hey. And Swanson just made a great grab on it just for that double play, and then boom, you know, it's it's painful. I know Rowdy's going to have a question for you, but real quick, what's what's happening? In the Yesterday is birds chirping in the background. What's happening in the background now for Andrew Wagner in, in Atlanta? Uh, apparently they're trying to... Um, clean the pool area outside of my room. So I'm going <laughs> to lock myself in the bathroom. I was just curious because I, I didn't know what it was. I heard the birds chirping yesterday. Today it sounded like uh, some weed whacking or what they're doing. Was... Yeah, guys sitting out there at the gas-powered leaf blower going to town. I'm like, dude, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's, <laughs> Let's calm down a little bit. Uh, Rowdy, do you have a question chill. for it? No, I think one thing that really hasn't been talked about a whole lot is even before he had to make that decision whether to take out Peralta or not to bring in Daniel Vogel back, is Luis Arias at first base not taking second on a pitch a pitch that was clearly off the mitt of Darno and clearly far enough away for him to go to second? Because then if he's standing on second, he's already scoring when Narvaez doubles down the line. And that was a yeah, huge mishap. That was that was that was a tough one and we talked to Craig about that and Craig you know, Craig wasn't sure. It, it's an instinct thing. You know, it, it, those are an instinct thing, and it's easy for us to see uh, when we're watching on TV or we're watching the full field 
Um, he definitely should have gone, you know, if, if we're going just off what we saw. But, you know, Craig wasn't as convinced that it was a sure thing as we all thought it was. So, you know, take that how you want. Um, but, yeah, it, it, there's a lot that could have changed in that inning that would have changed the outcome of the game. And, and that's definitely one of them. That was a tough inning for Louie. Uh, Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Andrew, before we talk about the upcoming game today, just an FYI for you, because I know you like to have a little liquor in you once in a while. Uh, one of our listeners, to inspire the Milwaukee Brewers bats, dropped off a bottle of El Dorado 21-year-old rum. Uh, and on it, the box, he wrote, Up yours, Joe Boo. So we're, tr- we're trying to somehow inspire the Brewers by drinking Joe Boo's rum right now. Uh, anything to get this offense going. So I just want to let you know that we're drinking. I started drinking this at 7 a.m. Central Time. I respect that. I'm I'm eating hotel bacon and eggs with orange juice that does not contain vodka. So uh, the continental breakfast. You are a world traveler, my friend, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, nothing like uh, processed eggs served in a styrofoam bucket. <laughs> Hey, Andrew, <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> how is Atlanta, by the way? Did you do anything after the game last night? Did you go? Did you use your voucher to get some good food? Like, what did you do? No, I, I, I just came back to the hotel, did a bunch of writing, ordered a pizza, fell asleep, you know, real, what kind real of pizza? high class. What kind of pizza? Uh, it, was, it was actually pretty good. Sausage, pepperoni, and uh, mushroom. Ooh, ooh, a man after yeah. my own heart. Like that. Uh, Andrew, okay, so today... Uh, Craig Council, was he very adamant after the game yesterday that they would not be throwing Corbin Burns today? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was about as clear as Craig Council ever is on, on those kind of decisions. It's not going to be Corbin Burns. And I'm assuming Eric Lauer? What's uh, what's the scuttlebutt? That, that would be my guess. I would guess some combination of Lauer, maybe Ashby. I, I just – I understand – I see it all on Twitter. You know, people are big mad because, well, this is why you've had Corbin well, all year. Sorry to interrupt you real quick, but we just had a caller, Pete and Minota, called in and said, you've been babying, essentially, his pitchers all year. It's the playoffs. It's time to unload the clip. Let him go. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Corbin Burns, if you look back, they've adjusted everyone's schedule at one point in the year. They've tried to go with a six-man rotation from the start of the year. Some guys have gone back to regular, normal rest. Some guys have had a thing. The one person that they have not messed with in any way, shape, or form, going all the way back to spring training, is Corbin Burns. Look at his success. They are not going to change that now. They are not going to send him out there on on three days rest for the first time all year. They're just not going to do it, especially because they have total confidence in everyone else they have in that staff and if you win today, which they think they can and think they will, you still need to have someone to come in and lock it down tomorrow, and then you'll have Corbin on normal or on Thursday. Then you have Corbin Burns on normal rest in a clinch game. I mean, I, I, I agree with it, too. Eric Lauer has been, if it is indeed Eric Lauer, Eric Lauer has been pretty damn good the second half of this Major League Baseball season, has he not? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Corbin Burns getting it. Um, Council just saying, what, it's not going to be Corbin? Like, is that like the first thing he said after? Straight up. Yeah, just straight up. Not going to be Corbin. Not going to be Corbin. Yep, that's an exact quote. I'm looking at your Twitter account right now uh, by Andrew Wagner, an incredible follow as usual. Um, Low Kane, have you ever seen a guy <laughs> take us through when you saw Low Kane go out there to catch that ball in center field and then smash into the the fence there? Man, that was that was scary. Like he took it hard. And it looked ten times worse once you saw saw the replay. Because I just saw it, of course, 
you know, first thing, full speed, real life, you know, happening 500 feet from me, it looked pretty bad. And then you saw the replay where they, they locked in on him, and it looked like at first you thought it got his elbow, then you figure it jammed his shoulder, and then he was holding his chest like you're thinking, God, did he dislocate something? And, and then he stays in the game, and, you know, the next step bad, he hits that absolute rifle that gets caught. I mean, that dude, he's a tough dude. He is a tough dude. He, there's a reason they say he's the heart and soul of that team, and it's plays like that, you know, to sacrifice your body like that to try and make a play uh, and then stay in the game. That's, you know, hat tip to him. He's something else. He is absolutely something else. Well, that's why, first off, you have to say it was a hell of a catch to have that in your mitt, especially from where he had to go and where he caught it and the way oh, he yeah. caught it. And oh, yeah. now this is just nitpicking because of baseball rules, and I'll even tie in a little NFL. Yeah. What is a catch? What isn't a catch? Obviously, you have to. Apparently, the ground can catch a fumble. <laughs> yeah, so like he has to, he has to keep the ball in his mitt as he hits the ground. I though Dumb. think by the rules in baseball, now this is he's got to do this all in a matter of split seconds. But if he was falling backwards once he hits that wall and tried to make an action like he was trying to transfer the ball. I think they would have given him the out. Yeah, it's it's dumb. I mean, it should have been an out. That was a hell. That was a hell of a catch, dude. I I I can't figure out how that wasn't. I mean, he had that thing locked in until he crumbled to the ground. Uh, I think he even rolled around once before the ball came out. You know, I mean, that counts as a move, but. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame because that was that was one of the best plays we've seen Lorenzo Cain make since he's done the Brewers, and he's he's had some pretty good ones. All right, Andrew. Before I unfortunately, it's the hardest part of my day is when I hang up the phone on you. I, just, I shed a couple of tears. I go to the corner and cry a little bit um, during commercial break when I hang up the phone on you. Uh, but how do the Brewers get out of this little offensive slump? Is it just can one swing of the bat turn it around? Like what what needs to happen here? I think so. I think just get one swing, get one around the board, and ride that momentum. You know, give your pitchers have proven that if you can get a lead, they'll they'll take care of it for you. Uh, Eric Lauer, if that's the guy today, I mean, he's pitched very well lately. You have every reason to be confident in his ability. Uh, and, and the Braves have not hit that much better. That's the thing to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brewers pitchers have done to the Braves what the Braves have done to the Brewers. The only difference is – They've taken advantage of the mistake when they've gotten it, and they've taken advantage of the opportunity when they've gotten it. So, you know, this series is far from lost. All you need is one run, one win, and you're right back in it, and you have a clinch game back home. So, you know, it's it's daunting for sure. You know, it's not going to be easy, but they still have they still have a good chance. Andrew, besides hopefully a Brewers win today, what's been the most impressive thing about Truist Park in the Atlanta area for you? Besides your hotel, the guy cleaning out the pool. I, I like the whole area. I mean, the, the Braves really built up a really nice facility there. You know, it, it's surrounded. It's like dropping the stadium into the middle of the Deer District. Um, it, it's great. Like, this whole area is I, – I, I can't even – it's easily one of my favorite parks now. Well, hopefully you uh, bring home a victory, and we hear about it and read about it in all of your publications instead of the AP Wire, because we would love to hear uh, see your work, my friend. State Journal. I am your obviously per- I will come be your personal scribe, my friend. And that's why I love you, Andrew. Uh, any leftover pizza this morning for breakfast, or did you put it all down last night? Uh, I'm going to save leftover pizza for lunch, my friend. That a boy. Enjoy it. And do you like it warm, cold, or lukewarm? 
Uh, I, I'm still not outgrown the cold pizza phase, but every now and then I will throw a little bit in the uh, air fryer to reheat it. Ooh, enjoy it, my friend, and we will be following along and by Andrew Wagner on Twitter. And hopefully when we talk tomorrow, if you would like to come back on again at 9, we're talking about a Brewers victory. How's that sound? Sounds good, my friend. My man. See you, buddy. Later. There he is, Andrew Wagner, live from the ATL, covering the crew. For the win. From the left hash, two minutes remaining in overtime. Crosby's kick, this time, is good! From GOAT to HERO, Crosby wins it in overtime for the Green Bay Packers. Yo, every time I start getting too superstitious, I'm like, you know what, three years ago, I remember looking down and he it went right through the middle. So yeah, I looked down on this one. So the Niners week, I, I looked and he punched it through. So that's why I was looking before, but I was like, you know what, maybe it's because I was West Coast. So you come to Midwest, I need to look down. I ended up standing way down on the end. The first couple, I was more towards the middle of the team. So maybe the good juju is down on the end. So I'm going to make sure I'm down on the end for future game winning kicks. Anytime the game's on the line, you're always watching the kick. There, there was a lot of different things going on in my head. Do I look at the scoreboard? Do I watch the, the kick live? Um, not trying to be too superstitious, but what did I do last time? Let me do the opposite. Very superstitious. Yeah, buddy. Packers win despite, I don't know how many missed field goals in that game. It was absolutely wild. We welcome in now Mike Clemens, our NFL Packer insider. Mike, good morning, my friend. You know, it's one thing when my Aunt Sue, who lives up north, has to have her Packers sweater on when she's in front of the TV watching the games. <laughs> Mike, do but you the, have any superstitions? No, not really. No, I don't. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, You know, I had a rabbit's foot when I was a kid, and then my old man said, you know, that wasn't very lucky for the rabbit, and he had four of them. And I, I thought that was a pretty... That's pretty good. good idea. That's good. Yeah. So Mason Crosby, man, you know he's had he's had these days a couple of times, but this is epic. I mean, first he misses the PAT, then three in a row after having a run of twenty six kicks in a row. By the way, the Bears kicker, he's like leading the league now. He's up to thirty two, thirty three uh, kicks in a row. So Mason was asked, you know, when you miss that many kicks, uh, you know, what's going on in your head? Just um, I'm focused on that next one. So I mean that, uh, that was a crazy end of that game. <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's insanity. So the fact that we kept getting opportunities, I mean uh, you got to give it uh, give it up to our team. Uh, the way we fought to get in that position again, and um, you know I just wanted so badly to come through there. You know it's uh, it's what I do, and it's uh, you know I, I, I had a couple go uh, go bad there, and um, you know I was uh, I was really happy to hit that last one. Yeah, Mike, I said he wanted to have another go at it, and his team, his coach, his, you know everyone around him trusted him to do it, and it was nice with a 49 yarder to seal that win. Yeah, yeah, and I was looking for one of those kicks. I wondered if maybe one of the Bengals got his hand on it. Just by the way, it looked like the ball had changed direction from the ground angle camera, and I I, I couldn't detect that. And you know you're trying to figure out. Is is Hunter Bradley late with the snap, or is the snap slow? Is Corey Bohorquez, the new punter, is he taking too much time with his hands? Or is Mason starting his kicking motion too quickly because he doesn't trust the protection? You know, because they have had some guys getting through. Now, LaFleur was asked yesterday about, you know, so do you, did you find some things in the kicking operation that you'd be adjusting? He said, yeah, but he wasn't going to go into detail. But the real good question was, was this. I mean, you know, Mason has missed these kicks. You got another fourth and one. And he said that he went to his special teams coordinator during the game, Mo Drayton, 
who said, well, no, field goal. My guy says he's ready to go. We're within range. We're calling for field goal. And so LaFleur was asked about how he made the decision to give Crosby one more time to try and win the game. Mo was was calling for the field goal. I went over to Mason. I could see the look in his eyes. There was there was zero flinch from him, and that's what we talk about all the time. I couldn't be happier for him. I, I told I told the team afterwards. I was like, the only kick I'll remember is that last kick. So it wasn't pretty. I, I know that. I realize that, and it starts with me. I I, I got to be a lot better for our guys. But I was super proud of just how we responded. Because there was there was moments there where it wasn't looking too good for us, and um, you know th- those guys kept believing. Did you literally ask him if he wanted to go out for that fourth one? I literally asked him. <laughs> I walked over. He was in the kicking net. He was coming back towards uh, the field. I said, "Hey, wh- what do you th- what do you think?" He's like, "I got this," and so I was like, "All right, you got it. Go do it." Mike, what else was he going to say? Like, hey, you're going to kick this? What do you say? No? Then you got a whole problem on your hands about your uh, kicker not having confidence anymore. Yeah. Coach, my tummy hurts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, what? I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and how is it on the floor to make him kick better? I don't, you know, like, how does that work? Well, no, they, they're looking for the operation. You know, if there's yeah. something off, you know, the step plant kick and the, you know, snap hold, getting the laces up, getting the lace, you know, the, the ball in the right position. Uh, but, you know, the new special teams coordinators obviously got to get this thing sorted out. So then, uh, you know, you already got Jair Alexander on IR for at least the next three games with his shoulder injury. And then Kevin King leaves in the second half. He, he He's trying to tackle Tyler Boyd, who's the receiver's uh, pretty strong, uh, tries to actually hurdle him. Kevin goes down, drives his shoulder into the ground, and tags out and did not return to the game. And LaFleur was asked, is that where King hurt his shoulder? Is that the play it happened on? No, it happened earlier. So I think that was just the final straw, I guess. He was kind of playing out there, and I thought Kevin played a really good game. You know, he was playing a lot of that game or, or part of that game with basically uh, one arm. So I thought I thought he competed well. and and was playing really, really well. I thought he triggered and was physical uh, when, when people caught balls. When, when there, was, there were a couple of short passes thrown right in front of him. I want to say maybe it was the first or second play of the game where he triggered, and he did it later on as well. So I was happy with how he, how he was playing, and it's, it's unfortunate that that happened. Mike, getting pretty light in that cornerback room, eh? Yeah. Um... You know, and the good news is, I mean, Eric Stokes, I think, is doing a great job. And yeah. he had covered Jamar Chase, and, um, you know, I, I, that's a good pick, man. To, as good as he's looked just four or five games into his NFL career, that's fine. Uh, they have brought in a couple of veteran guys, too. You know, they've got this um, Ike uh, Yadam that they did in the trade with Josh Jackson for the, the Giants. He's taken some snaps there. They brought in this Rasul uh, Godfrey from last week. Uh, so guys that have played, he played or um, uh, he played for uh, the Panthers last year in 11 games. So uh, you know we'll see. Uh, I'm, it doesn't sound like King's going to be able to play this week. People get angry at Kevin King, but I mean the the, the coaches do love him. They think he's a hard-nosed football player. He just keeps on getting in the way of of the bus and getting hit. <laughs> One guy they're very pleased with though on defense is Devondre Campbell who. They picked up 
he he'd played for the Falcons for a number of years when Lafleur was the quarterbacks coach down there. Got picked up by the Cardinals. They put him on their practice squad. This guy's leading the team, uh, one of the leaders in teams in tackles. He now got another pick the other day. Um, and Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt Lafleur talked about how much of a contribution Devondre Campbell has made to the Packers at inside linebacker. He can run. He's a great tackler. He's around the ball all the time. He's a great locker room guy. It's a great pickup by our our personnel folks. I was talking on the sidelines today with some, I don't know if it's MBS or somebody else mid-game, and we just said, how in the hell was this guy on the street? I mean, it's baffling to me, and it's we're just so thankful to have him. Dre has been outstanding, making plays, being physical. He's flying around the field. He's you know, he's wearing the green dot, so he's communicating with everybody. And that that's a new role for him, too. And that I don't think you can discount how tough of a transition that can be for most guys. And I think that he has gotten better and better each and every week. He's, he's, a, he's a great person. I had a great conversation on the plane with him uh, uh, last night. And um, just really, really glad he's a part of our football team. I can't believe he was out there on the street, man. That was a hell of a pickup from the pack. Yeah, and LaFleur just confirmed right there that he did make the team flight home with the team from Cincinnati, unlike the week before when Urban Meyer <laughs> stayed in Ohio. So we've got that confirmed. But Devondre Campbell, man, not only did he get that pick, because, you know, Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd were on the wrong page on that. Boyd just stopped and turned. Burrow thought he was going to continue a route and ends up going right into Devondre Campbell's hands. But... Coming into the game, you know, you had noticed that one of the Bengals have been very good at for, for Burrow, a high percentage pl- uh, passing play to get the young quarterback going, is a lot of these bubble screens out in the flats, maybe sometimes screens to Joe Mix in the background. And the Packers shut down every time they attempted that. And you asked Devondre Campbell, man, you guys are really good on the screen plays for the Bengals today. Um, what was, did, was that because you just kind of anticipated they were going to run it because it was third and seven, or was it something you saw on tape? Uh, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of film study and uh, just a little bit of understanding of situational football. We knew coming in that they liked to run screens within like a certain area of the field, and I knew that we were in that area where they liked to run screens. So I kind of just I took my drop and I read my keys and I, I saw. You know, they did something. I'm not going to say what they did, but they never do it. And when they do do it, we notice it's a screen alert. So I kind of just did my job staying outside and foot fake the lineman and came back inside once I saw him throw the ball. Now, speaking of throwing the ball on the offensive side of things, Mike, it was uh, obviously the field goals are going to be the, the scuttlebutt, the talk of the town, right? But didn't uh, Devontae Adams have a career high in yardage? He did, but, you know, the Packers, they've dropped off so far, you know, in this season, they've had a huge drop-off in their red zone production. They were number one by far last year with that cold gold zone thing. They're, like, down to 26th. On defense, the Packers are horrible. Once their opponent gets into the red zone, they're ranked 32nd in the league. I think they're 13-13. They're and 13. They've given up a touchdown once the opponents get within, you know, 5 or 10 yards of the end zone. But Devontae, uh, over 200 yards in receiving. Rodgers over 300 yards in passing. Aaron Jones over 100 yards in rushing. First time that's ever happened in Packer history. And so Devontae talked about some of those big catches he had, like the 59-yarder. And the one I thought was amazing, too, where he, he got down on the field 
because he realized they were running out of time, and he wanted to give Mason Crosby a time for another kick, so he just kind of <laughs> fell down instead of maybe being tackled and it would, wouldn't give time to get up to the line. Devontae talked about those plays. I have this thing in games where I have deja vu during the play. It's like a really weird thing. I'm, I, I told Quez, and they thought something was wrong with me. I told them about it a couple, uh, probably like two years ago, where sometimes I'll catch a ball, and as I'm catching the football, I'll like kind of like uh, subconsciously have like a, a quick flashback to like something that's happened before. I don't know. It's like some some weird that's so Raven shit. Um, ah, but yeah, so, so when Raven. I when I get in those moments, I think that it, it kind of helps me because you know obviously I've been there before. So it's turn on field. I started to try to you know take it all the way. I just didn't know it was on that backside. Obviously, getting down the field, it would have made it tough for the old line to, to catch up if I got caught on like the five or something like that. So, um, decided to get down and you know give my up. But um, obviously, we didn't put that one through, but he came through at the end. Uh, Mike, I think he's having deja vu because of how much he practices and how much he runs those routes and how he studies the playbook. It's just like second nature to him, right? A, a that's so Raven moment. Now that's like a Disney Channel yeah. show. I know <laughs> yeah. my daughter. Nelly, Nelly loved it when he was growing up. Not really, Mike, but my sister watched it. Yeah. Is, she a, is she a witch or what? What is what no, is? No, she was just. Uh, if I remember correctly, she was just a a normal, teenage. I guess, teenage yeah. uh, lady that could see into the future. Oh, kind of a psychic or something. Yeah. Okay. I only had right. five channels growing up, Mike. I didn't have the uh, the Disney Channel. Well, uh, I watched Jamar the Red Chase. Green Show. Yeah, Jamar Chase, number one. That you know, last week. When we asked uh, Lafleur about it, he called him the kid a freak. He's a freak, and he is. He's just six foot. He's got the good speed, but the way he catches the football, the way he runs the route, his football IQ off the charts. Uh, he's going to be a great one for a long time, and he's got a great quarterback in Burrow too. Those guys look so sharp together. And and after the game, uh, Chase uh, went up to Devontae Adams uh, and and wanted to see if he could swap jerseys. I went up to him and asked for his jersey because he's one of my idols, of course. Uh, Randall Cobb told me great, great job. A couple of more guys told me great job. Aaron Jones. Did he grant your request? Did he give you the jersey? Uh, I don't have it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Did he want yours? Great question. I don't know. I'm going to give it to him anyway. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Uh, isn't it crazy how the new batch is coming and you see the, uh, the ever-changing guard in the NFL? Uh, Jamar Chase is going to be damn good. Yeah, and so is Burrow, too. So... You know, Packers dodged the bullet and left a lot of points up on the board, uh, and now they pay. They take on a, a re-energized Bears team that beat the Raiders. The Raiders looked horrible in two-minute offense, and forget about the controversy for Gruden and all that. I just I think Derek Carr still can be a pretty good quarterback, but they were so disorganized in their two-minute offense. Um, I mean, you know, Gruden probably was. You know, should have been fired for that. But uh, whatever the case, the Bears, you know, they're playing Bear football right now. They got a running game. Uh, they got Justin Fields out there. I think it looked like he hyperextended his knee. But the Bears' defense has been playing tough the last couple of weeks, so uh, that'll be the challenge at Soldier Field at noon on Sunday. Mike, I know that uh, Urban Meyer and Matt Lafleur didn't share <laughs> taking the flight home in common. But you right. know what they do have in common? What's that? Unfortunately, they're both married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? How about yeah. that, Mike? No, because that whole Jaguars thing, I've been watching that franchise for about four or five years, and I thought even before McCarthy mm. left Green Bay, that'd be a great place for him to go to turn that franchise around because the owner will do whatever you want. And I really thought Urban Meyer was going <laughs> to save 
that place. What an idiot. What a complete yeah. idiot. What do you mean you don't go home on the flight? So. Yeah, that's tough. Hey, Mike, before I let you go, uh, can you guarantee a Brewers victory for us today? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my suggestion on Twitter today is maybe it's time to drop the claws up thing and you'll get some hits. That's, uh, yeah, that's the claws up name. thing is, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on and your awesome insight of the Green Bay Packers. So we thank you for your time, Mike. Thanks, Evo. Go Brewers. Yeah, see you, buddy. There he is, Mike Clemens. Uh, Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Good stuff.